And now, a weekly wrap-up on your Calgary Stampeders. This is the Stamps Hour with Matty Rose and Patrick Dumas. Hello and welcome to the Stamps Hour. I'm your host, Patrick Dumas. Ahead over the next hour, you will hear from your head coach and general manager of the Calgary Stampeders, twice actually, uh, Dave Dickinson. We'll hear from the quarterback, Jake Mayer, as well as sit-downs with Reggie Bagleton and Julian Hauser. And we'll hear from the opposition and their head coach, Craig Dickinson. And then in the second segment, I'm joined by Jamie Nye, host of The Green Zone in Regina, and he does some writing over at CFL.ca as well to do a deeper dive into the riders. But let's get started. Don't have to go back too far for the last meeting between these two. It was on June 24th, a week three matchup at McMahon Stadium that resulted in a 29-26 double overtime loss with Stampeders quarterback Jake Mayer being picked off by Nick Marshall in the end zone to close that one out. Jake has certainly had his struggles to start this year. His struggles to start this year are certainly well-known, throwing for only 907 yards, two touchdowns, and six interceptions. Here's Jake on his play and bouncing back this week. If there's one thing I know about this organization is that um, they do an amazing job of adjusting and learning what we're great at and where, where we can find ways to be more successful. Um, so it's not going to happen overnight, though. Um, you know, I think in this business, in this sport, your patience can run thin at times, but it is going to take some time um, to, to get the continuity and to, uh, you know, to get us playing at a level that we want to play at. And it starts this weekend. We have a lot of uh, good tape to look off of. Things went well for us that day, and, and obviously there was a handful of mistakes that cost us the game. Um, but, you know, to be clear, we, we are where we are as a football team right now because we are not playing well enough on offense. Yeah, Calgary's offensive numbers through four games, definitely not where Coach Dickinson would like to see them with the Stamps being in the middle of the road in all major offensive categories. Only Vernon Adams Jr. has thrown for more interceptions to start this year than Jake Mayer. Of course, Adams had six in one game against the Argonauts. Final media availability was held back on Thursday. Here's Coach Dickinson on his team before heading out to Regina. Well, we did give him some reps. I wanted to see if he could make it through the week, and he has, so we'll go back. Um, so I think he's got a chance, though, and uh, not to put too much pressure winning if he plays. But, um, you know, we didn't keep him here and have him on the neg list for that as long as we did to, to not play him when he's healthy. But we have, like, three guys that all coming off hamstrings, and um, for the most part, I'd like to think smartest is the way to go and give him that week, but we want to win, and best roster needs to play. So they got a number of healthy receivers all of a sudden as opposed to scrambling right. like you were last week. So big decisions like that. Yeah, and, you know, uh, probably everyone's alive except for Jalil. He just got here. Um, even Tyson looks like he can play. Uh, does give you some issues. You can't play them all because you need some of those guys to play special teams as well. And uh, the guys that play, though, hopefully they step up because there's, there's a lot of competition now. Has the urgency creeped in at all? I mean, this is a, this yeah. is a big game against a division rival where you'd lose the season series with the loss, right? Yeah, I hadn't thought that yet, the season series, because it's young. But I think the urgency is there. But I, I still feel like we're not uh, we're not just clicking. It's not going to be like overnight. I think it's got, we're going to have to keep working and keep working. And the main thing for me is just believe in the process, uh, believe in your teammates, yourself as well. And go try to make some plays. Do you think that overtime loss does give this team a little extra fuel? Or are they still thinking about that a little bit? Uh, I don't know about uh, thinking about that. But, I mean, listen, yes, it was a tough loss. Uh, you know, time does kind of, I guess, uh, help you move on. But uh, it was a battle. You know, it would be nice to go out there and steal one on their turf now. And uh, that, that's the goal. 
there's lots of like defensively in that game. If I'm remembering correctly, though, they did run the ball a little bit. How much of a yeah? They they had 133 on us with Morrill, and uh, you know I have this I have this feeling that they might you know use the play action early. Uh, just trust your eyes. Tackle as a group. He broke a lot of tackles, and uh, we'll see how the game turns out. So don't overemphasize any one part of stopping a, a team. Just do your job and and execute the call. How much do you rely on your veterans when your team is not doing as well as you'd hope they would do? Yeah, you'd like to. We're a young, super young team. But what I broke them down by saying is it's our young guys. You've been here long enough now. It's time to step up. Uh, yes, we want our vets to be the guys, but we don't have a ton of them. So young guys step up and make some plays. The youth will certainly be called upon again this week. As we know, the Stamps have been a club that over the years has had a history of adapting and dealing with injuries and uh, use that next man up mentality to their finest abilities. Going to have to dig deep this week to avoid a one and four start. The Stamps should have one of their more healthy receiver rooms uh, this year, uh, as this week we'll see the return of Luther Hakunavanu and possibly getting Tyson Middlemost back in the lineup. Uh, one of those receivers that is massively vital to the success of this group is Reggie Bagleton. Uh, he made his return off the six-game injured list last week in Winnipeg, and he spoke with our Azam Nanji to get his feel on the group right now. We're here with Reggie Bagleton prior to the game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday. Reggie, first of all, you've been back for a week now. How do you feel just uh, health-wise? Uh, I feel I feel normal. Uh, you know, I played a few games. I feel like football wear and tear. Uh, but overall, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm going to be able to make plays and, and go out there and be the leader that I need to be. Obviously, with this team, you lost uh, in overtime in that one. Does that sting a little bit, and does you take that little stingness into the game on Friday? I mean, any loss stings. It uh, doesn't matter how you lose overtime, uh, get beat, you know, fair and square. Uh, it all is what it is. It's still a loss in the lo- uh, lose column. So, yeah, I mean, just because it's the next opponent fuels me. It doesn't matter what they did to us last time. It's They're next on the schedule. We're going out there to win, and that, that's enough to, to play how you're supposed to play. Uh, just talk a little bit about Jake. He obviously is not the season he wanted so far, but he really seems to be a leader in the room and kind of finding his way as the leader of this group. No, absolutely. Um, he, he takes that role uh, very great. Um, uh, so do I. Uh, one thing we do is communicate. Uh, he's not alone up in there, and that, and that helps big time uh, when it comes to trying to get everybody together. With this team, what can you take in going into Friday? What is the goal advantage to go against the Rough Riders? I mean, go in, be physical, and win this game. I mean, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, uh, there's 60 minutes. Uh, they're going to play, we're going to play, and whoever can make the most plays is, is going to come out and win the game. Coach talks about having, you know, the younger players needing to step up with the balance of the leadership. Uh, in your mind, how can you help those younger receivers step up to the game that they can play? Uh, hopefully I can get them open enough to just be comfortable to communicate. And that, that's that's where it all starts. If you don't know something, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to uh, uh, to put yourself in that position of a leader leadership role. Um, if we all can get to be one, one team, then that, that's where we'll really start clicking. That one team motif will be big going forward. Reggie has uh, 233 yards on 18 catches this season, still looking to reach the end zone for the first time. And you don't need me to tell you how important he is after he makes the catch. Taking a quick look at the opposition for tonight, the Riders coming in with a ton of injuries. Six players already ruled out, but they were able to bring back a body they were really excited about in camp, but had to cut because of injury. Uh, Riders head coach Craig Dickinson gets into this and more. Here is the coach speaking to the media ahead of this one. 
Greg, what's the plan for uh, Jake Herschel? You finally were able to bring him. Yeah, we needed depth. Our receivers have taken a, a hit this year. So Jake was a guy we really liked. Uh, Taylor in camp. He looked like he was he was fitting in nicely, and then he hurt his knee. So we uh, we had planned all along to hopefully bring him back, and it just worked out. We were able to do that this week. And obviously, with all the injuries, uh, he's going to be a guy that could have an opportunity to play. He in could a play. Of weeks, right? He could he could play right now. Honestly, <laughs> he uh, he knows our offense. So we'll we'll see what it shakes out after practice today. But we brought him in to to compete, give us depth, and ultimately to play at some point. Greg, Trevor Harris has talked about building a foundation early, and that's what they're kind of working through right now with the offense. How do you do that as a team? Yep, uh, I think he's right. Um, I think you got to get good at what you do. And, and first of all, you got to identify what is it we want to be known for. And we want to be a physical, run-the-ball team, and then we want to be able to take some shots based off of that. So the foundation is to establish the run and, and hopefully build off of that. And we're continuing to work on it. Seems like all three facets, offense, defense, special teams, are really have one big family this year. Seems like they Yeah, have. it's a good group. You probably, I don't know if you saw, we shook it down at the end. And guys are enjoying coming to work. They're enjoying being around each other. And we're going to try really hard to keep keep it fun for these guys. How do, what do you have to do to beat Calgary again? You know, the, the losing team often comes yeah. in and, uh, uh, I guess, battles, I don't know. They're gonna they're gonna play play hard, yeah. yeah. We gotta play better, and that's been the message all week. Is we're not focused on on the result, we're focused on the actions, and we want to play better as a team. We want to do a better job on all three phases, and hopefully, if we do that, we'll come out at the at the top at the end. Can you define better a little more detail? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, we gotta get off the field on defense, and we gotta be able to stop the run. Uh, we gotta do a better job of defending the Sally and the and the and passes off of that. We got to take the ball away more, and offensively, we got to protect the ball more, Britt, and we got to be able to run the ball a little bit more consistently. And we also just just need to develop some rhythm on offense. We felt like we didn't get into a rhythm last week, and so we're hoping to do that this week. How would you describe uh, Pete Robertson? Uh, Pete's he he's an old soul, and what I mean by that, he's been around. He's not as old as he seems because he just got such experience. Uh, you could tell he's. He's done a lot of good things in his life and had a lot of a lot of adversity in his life, and he just comes to work every day. So, Pete brings some wisdom, uh, toughness, grit to that defensive line, and and it's been a pleasure having him on the team. He seems like a guy that's always willing to share, pass along knowledge. Uh, yep. Whether it's to fellow defensive players or to offensive players. Oh yeah. yeah. He uh, he coaches in the off season. He I think when he's done playing, he's going to get into coaching, and I think you can see that sort of mindset when he interacts with the players. Brett Lothar's good to go this week? We think so, yeah. We kicked him today, Daryl, and hopefully he he uh, tells me he feels good after practice. If not, we got a decision to make if he's not ready to go. You said you'd know more about Roland Milligan's injury today. Yeah, yeah, it, it's he, he's not going to play. Roll's going to be out this week, so um, secondary's going to look a little bit different, but not much. Just this week or a few more Yeah, we don't know. He's, he's, we have to decide tonight, but you'll see when the injury report comes out. There's the brother of Dave Dickinson, Craig. Every Wednesday on The Big Show, we are joined by Dave Dickinson, the head coach and GM of your Calgary Stampeders. And we like to just not talk about football, but life as well. Here's our conversation with Dave. Dave, if you, were in, if you were in a competitive eating contest, what would be the food that you could really eat a ton of? Oh. <laughs> I don't, I mean, uh, I'm not going to win any of these. I, uh... I'm definitely, let's say, hot dogs for me in 10 minutes, maybe six. 
That's still pretty Maybe good. Something like that. That might be that not bad. Be my limit. So not going to win any of those contests, especially with the guys I hang around with. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, you're surrounded um, by hard hitting journalism here, Dave. Are you a ketchup or mustard guy? Oh, definitely ketchup. I don't like okay. mustard at all. Any mustard ruins ruins any. Uh, you know, I like like Montreal smoked meat sandwiches. Can't have mustard on them. Can't. I got to really? have like, mayo wow. or something like that. Just can't do mustard. Can't ah, do it. Breaking okay. news! My I like God, that. I didn't yeah. think we'd unearth something that big. Who, who, who on that? Oh, big. Yeah, who on that offensive line could uh, <laughs> could take out Joey Chestnut? Well, but you, you know, you look at the guys that are winning are skinny. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, like uh, maybe who, just on general, who do you think name. could uh, who could who do you think could go up against Chestnut on the team the best? Do you think? First, who he Tommy Stevens probably okay the quarterback. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean Tommy he Stevens. has a reputation of eating all the time, and so uh, <laughs> don't spend a lot of time at restaurants with these guys though. So no. don't have great info, but that that's the rumor. That's the word on third. Dicky, before we get into uh, the football stuff, how, how's your golf game? Wasn't very good on the bye. I played a couple charity tournaments and uh, didn't didn't go overly well. And then uh, then I went out like uh, just with old friends for nine holes just in the evening. And for some reason, pressure off played a lot better out at uh, out at Mickelson. So uh, shorter course, you played it. So uh, yeah. not great still, but uh, hips good. So I'm hitting it better. It makes me feel a little better about myself. My old buddy Dicky. We used to play a lot of golf. He used to be a real like. Single-digit handicap. We used to have some really good matches. And now when we talk about our golf game, he's always throwing in there that he's got a new hip and all this other stuff. Like, things have changed over the years. You know what I mean? It's just a different outlook. It's called the reality, man. Yeah, it is reality. That's what it is. Um, um, Dave, I've, I've had the pleasure of playing with Eric Francis. Does anybody pick up three or four footers more than Eric Francis on a green? Yeah, me. <laughs> I definitely pick up a lot more than him. He That's makes them, man. Okay. His chipping and putting game is sweet. It There's is no doubt. He's a short game. <laughs> That's Very why good. that's why Dickie and I get along so well, especially when we're golfing. Yeah, that's good. Good, good. You're on the green? You're good. Yeah, good, good. you're good. Let's go to the next hole. <laughs> good, good. Exactly. Let's go get a hot dog with mustard. That'd be good. Uh, no. Dickie, tell me about your, your team. It, it, one of the things that was kind of glaring last game was you started running the ball so well out of the gate, and then I'm assuming they just made a ton of adjustments and they kind of shut that down. Is that is that the way it happened? I mean, they did do some adjustments, which was just bring, uh, you know, bring a few more people down closer to the box, um, bring in a few, a few different pressures. Um, but it was also, we just got to be balanced. We have to be able to stretch a defense. We have to be able to make plays down the field. And in order to do that, you got to hold up and give the quarterback time. And then, you know, I, you could tell our receivers quarterback, we weren't quite in uh, maybe on the same uh, page or they just hadn't. You know, the, the the angle of the routes, the timing of the routes just didn't seem to be what we wanted it. So you got to still be balanced. I know uh, for us right now, we're still we're fighting it a bit. Uh, and we do lean on our run game when we fight it. But we have to take some chances down the field. We have to uh, try to win our one-on-one matchups. Obviously, uh, the struggles right now with, with Jake at the quarterback position. But what, what are you telling him? He's still a young guy, still trying to find his way in, into the CFL and everything. But what are, you, what are you trying to tell him to keep his confidence going here? I don't have to tell him too, too much on that end. What I want is just uh, – I want him to be able to just feel like he can play free and uh, not worry about mistakes. And 
but I do want a plan. Like so, I think whenever you struggle as a quarterback, you you maybe you just don't have a plan. You just go up there and you're just I'm going to throw this one. Well, it's not there. You got to move on. You got to have a plan. You got to have a a plan to attack defenses, and your eyes got to lead you to the easy mm-hmm. throws or the right throws. And and uh, right now we're 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 not doing that on a consistent basis. So. Uh, Practice matters, and and for me, you got to if you do it over and over in practice, that's when it usually translates over better production on, uh, on game day. Uh, how tough is it that he's been missing uh, some of his big time weapons there to build that cohesiveness early on in the season? Well, reality's reality. It's okay. I mean, obviously, we don't enjoy seeing Malik on season-ending uh, IR, and, and Kadeem Carey's played about a half a football for us for the season. Reggie, though, came coming back was a nice addition. Um, we just honestly, we though we have to quit making excuses, and these are our guys. Go build a relationship and, and chemistry with them, and we've got some talent. There were some open guys. We we do have to hold up a bit longer, uh, give them a chance to see the downfield throws, and, and then make them. Uh, we've had guys open. We've just been a little long or a little short, uh, so we got to start making those in, in order to win. No question about it. Your quarterback is the most important player on the field. Are you, and obviously, your offense has not performed the way you'd like it to. Jake, I, you know, he's kind of taken that upon himself to a degree. Are you seeing the right things and hearing the right things from him in terms of his approach, uh, despite you know not having success early on? It gets tough. I mean, I agree. Like, um, you know, momentum is something, and confidence. It's it's really about doing it. You can talk all you want, but you got to go out on the field and do it, and, and you got to get a little bit of a swagger. But in order to do that, you got to play well and you got to win. So the one thing we're excited we want we can't wait for the next game. I know it's been a little it's eight day week for us, which is too long. We uh, we want to just play more and we want to see if we can get into a groove and uh, try to find our rhythm and timing because the only way you really find it is to do it in a game, and and that uh, that's why that next opportunity is so important. Talk to me about the opponent, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You, you played them a few weeks back before your bye, tough loss in double overtime. Uh, they were coming off a really weird, uh, very struggling game against uh, the Elks there last week. But uh, can you take uh, any of the tape from uh, from uh, the end of June there against the Riders and apply it to to uh, this Saturday? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we're probably the two teams with the most yeah. injuries, oh, and yeah. you know, but they're three and one, so uh, you know, we're one and three. So it's a uh, it's really that if you look at it, I don't have they don't have any sympathy for us, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. They've got a bunch of their guys and receivers out as well, which you can tell kind of affected their their output in their last game as well. So uh, tough place to play, but we enjoy playing there. We've been better on the road for some weird reason mm-hmm. than we have at home. So uh, you know, we know it's a big game. It's early in the season. Um, you know, for us, felt like we had a real shot to win that game and losing the way we did. Uh, Hopefully we show up and and maybe uh, you know make make a make a wrong or right and and try to find a way to win this game. Dick, it's been a lot of years since you, me, your brother, uh, your your brother-in-law, or, or uh, no, your brother-in-law. Yeah, and we would play poker in my basement in your basement, and now you and your brother go head to head on the CF in the CFL. I'm just curious. Do you know your record? Against your brother, I don't know it. It's not a loaded question. I just do you know it at all times? Does one of the brother? Do you remind him, or he reminds you? No, I don't know it. Uh, I do. The one that stands out to me again is we lost to him in the playoffs in the overtime, double yeah, overtime. Yeah, yeah. We've lost two double overtime games to him. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, that's a 
because those are, you know, to me, you're, you're right there, and you you win those, you feel so good about yourself, you lose them, and not like hockey, you don't get a point. Um, so you just feel so deflated, and you gotta you gotta try to find a way to to move past it. Don't know, it really, it's not. It's not. It's kind of an old story for me. You know, we've played enough now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first couple of times, it was it was cool for my parents and all that. But now it's just a, another you know opponent that, that, that we don't like each other. And I think it it, it's, <laughs> it is a bit of a bad taste in our mouth. You know, when we when we see Ryder fans uh, around the city, we want to make sure we've beat them so we can talk talk uh, talk our game a little bit and. Uh, losing in that double overtime, uh, that's certainly not the way we want to leave it. So we got to go out there and get a win, and we got to play better. we got to find find ways to get the confidence in the room growing and try to get that swagger back. Uh, uh, to the, you added to the receiving core yesterday in, the, in the, adding to the practice squad, Jaleel Billingsley played some time in Alabama, went to Texas. What did you like about his game that uh, made you sign him? Well, we think we got to get better. we got to find ways to, to make matchup problems, but it's a it's just one signing it's a practice roster it's really uh i think he has a chance so i wouldn't bring him in he mm-hmm. um he has a pedigree and he's got the the body and he's a big big man that has some quickness and uh, pretty good speed so just got to see what's about him and he's been on our nag list so he was one of those mm-hmm. where i think he was waiting for another opportunity didn't come and he says hey i'd like to come up now and and i'm not going to let him go with us you know a six four guy that runs four five five yeah. without looking at him it is tough though because how do you evaluate guys without really seeing what they can do in a game um, but we brought him up we've got room at this point and see what we can do and uh, try to find some talent Yes, always a great chat. That one usually goes at 7.30 every Wednesday on The Big Show with George Russick and Matt Rose. One more piece of business to get to before the break. I had a chance to speak with defensive end Julian Hauser. Julian is in his first year with the Stampeders after spending five seasons with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Julian heads west here from the Altoona, Pennsylvania native with me next. First year here in Calgary. How's the city treated you so far? been great it's a great city great organization uh got a great team in this locker room can't complain uh it's probably tough with your guys schedule but uh, have you had a chance to experience stampede or are you plans to go down there i went down there once the first day or whatever and we had off um it was cool it was a good time glad i got to experience it another fellow uh newcomer on the defense uh michael alway leads league in tackles what kind of impact has he had on uh, in your court uh you know he's he stepped in that role and uh he's played uh, really well he's uh he works hard. He does his job, and uh, he's making plays right now. Uh, this week's opponent, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you played him already once a few weeks back. Tough loss at the end there. Is there any things you can take from film that you can apply to Saturday? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, things that they beat us on before that you know we know they're going to be doing again. Um, you know, we know Trevor's a great quarterback. He's going to get rid of that ball quick. So we just got to affect him as much as possible. And uh, lastly, second uh, week in a row, you're going to a tough place to play. Last week is Winnipeg. This week's uh, Mosaic Stadium. Just what would a mean win to this group right now? Uh, it'd be huge right now. Just get us back on track. Get get that winning feeling back in that locker room, and uh, you know, get us that momentum moving forward. Yeah, Julian and the rest of that D line looking to get after Trevor Harris this evening. Around the corner, a bigger deep dive into the Riders and maybe the rest of the CFL as Stamps Hour continues. I'm Patrick Dumas, and you're listening to Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Now back to the Stamps Stamps Hour Hour with Matty Rose and Patrick Dumas. Welcome back to the Stamps Hour. I'm Patrick Dumas. Matty Rose is away for one more week as he uh, finishes up in 
Italy. Stamps and Riders go this evening, 5 o'clock down at Mosaic Stadium. And uh, I'm privileged to be joined by Jamie Nye, the host of the Green Zone in Regina and Saskatoon. Also does some writing on CFL.ca. Uh, Jamie, uh, despite all the injuries, a 3 and one start, a new quarterback in Trevor Harris. What's the vibe around the team right now? It's positive because uh, they're winning yep. uh, some close games, of course. Uh, they're four points away from this being a disaster to start the season because I'm watching that game last night and in the back of my mind all I'm thinking is how did the Rough Riders almost lose to this Edmonton Elks team twice this season like are they I I think I think what we're seeing on Saturday is two teams that their record I don't think quite indicates the difference like you're a three and one team versus a one and three team Looks like a pretty dramatic difference, but I think the Calgary Stampeders and the Rough Riders are way closer uh, than that. Yeah, obviously, uh, they met uh, in week three, 29-26, Saskatchewan winners in double overtime after uh, Nick Marshall picking off uh, Jake Mayer to close that one out. I say uh, they were feeling around the team. How about the, the feeling in the province and the city? Uh, obviously, uh, new quarterback in, in Trevor Harris, uh, this group tough loss last year in the playoffs, hosting the Grey Cup. But what's the, what's the, the, the appetite for the team? Obviously, it's huge, but uh, the feeling amongst the fan base. Uh, it's a, it's a lot more optimistic than it was, of course, last yeah. season with Cody Fajardo getting sacked 77 times uh, because <laughs> it seemed like every time he dropped back to pass, he was running for his life. And uh, part of that was on Cody. Uh, he is not the greatest passer in the pocket, uh, as we're seeing in Montreal already this season with uh, them on track for 99 sacks. But with Trevor Harris, He's come in and right away changed the, well, Braden Lenius, uh, one of the receivers who's unfortunately injured, he said change the aura around the quarterback room and around the leader in the huddle. And I found that really interesting. And I think it's, it's passed on to the fans where Trevor Harris came in. He's 37 years old. He's been there, done that. He knows how to speak to the media. He's not going to get into his feelings as much as Cody was about hearing the outside noise and the critics. He just does his job goes about his business, knows what he's doing, leads by example. He takes incredible care of himself. Of mm-hmm. course, he's one of the TB12 people who's worked out with Tom Brady, and it is, uh, it's been a dramatic difference in just the way the quarterback presents himself and speaks. And I, I think that is really helping this team get behind Trevor Harris. And, of course, in crunch time, we're seeing Trevor Harris being able to pull out victories. And of course, Trevor's been around the league for a while. He's been in a few different markets. But uh, how's he taken to uh, to Saskatchewan and, and being immersed in uh, in a CFL mad uh, market like uh, like Regina is? I, I think he he has a, a lesson, new lesson every day on what it's like to be the franchise <laughs> quarterback in Saskatchewan. Like uh, something new happens. He said a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I was out and someone's like, Hey, can you take a picture with my dog? And it was like, I've never had anybody ask me to take a picture with their dog before. And it was like, just these little moments and the fans know his kids names already and wow. all that stuff. And so it's just like, he's, he's, and, and his family is kind of learning it. They, they're in town. They were in town uh, last week. They're in town for the summer until of course, schools start again. So, mm-hmm. Uh, they're learning about, you know, they're getting recognized. So that is how knowledgeable the fan base is. They do their research yeah. about their franchise quarterbacks and, and welcome them in. Like that's part of the hospitality just in the prairies mm-hmm. anyways, right? Mm-hmm. A new neighbor comes in and you want to, you know, go take, bake him a cake or something yep. like that. Right. Yep. So 
that that's what it's happening with Trevor Harris and his family in Saskatchewan right now. Well, that's definitely, uh, I'm sure, uh, definitely a culture shock from where he was in Montreal, where probably nobody knew who he was, to uh, where everybody knows who the <laughs> heck he is out in Regina. Uh, now, the injuries, uh, some names that are on that list. Uh, Roland Milligan, he's in. A, he was in a walking boot yesterday. He's been pretty good this year as well. Uh, what are some names uh, that might have the most impact on the team injury-wise going forward? Well, this week, the changes from last week, will the big two are on defense. And you mentioned Roland Milligan's already been deemed out, as has Anthony Lanier II, who is one of the highest-paid defensive linemen in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, rated out last year, if you want to look at pro football focus, is one of the best defensive linemen in the league. So he's out. Um, Brian Cox Jr. will fill in a little bit. Of course, his dad, a top NFL player, Brian Cox yep. Sr., so... He's got some of that linebacker pedigree in him as a defensive end in the Canadian Football League, so I'm excited to see what he shows because he showed up in training camp and in preseason. But Roland Milligan, Anthony Lanier, they're some of the leaders on defense. That'll be big losses. They do have the depth to fill it, but it is a patchwork offensive line already for the Rough Riders. Brandon Council, their left tackle, is uh, out for this game, so another move around the offensive line. And they're just getting by in the receiving court because that six-game injured list has five capable starters on it. I mentioned Braden Lenny is key in Schaefer-Baker, Darrell Walker, Jake Winicky, and Juwan Breskison. So that is big-time depth, but a former stamp in Sean Bain Jr., has shown up. He's one of the top receivers in the league, of course, and they're getting by with a pretty strong run game in Jamal Morrill. Uh, one of the names uh, that was picked up this week, uh, he was let go in camp, uh, but he had an injury, but he, they really liked him. Jake Hirschlow. Uh, what, what, what type of game can he bring to this group? Well, he won't play this week, yeah. but it, what we saw in training camp, like every day he was wearing 77 and it was <laughs> writing down 77 and there's, there's 77. And he started actually moving into a little bit, getting reps with the first team offense, and he was popping every day. Like, not the quickest guy, but he's got very sure hands. He's a great route runner. And one thing, you know, former special teams coach Craig Dickinson loves is he was uh, graded out as one of the top special teams players in his conference. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not as a returner, just as like a cover guy and a blocker. So that could be a that's a that's the greatest way to hold on to a job in the Canadian Football League as as a young American is be strong on special teams. Um. I was gonna say, okay, uh, yeah, Brett Lowther, uh, what's his status uh, heading into this week? I know he popped up on the injury report. Obviously, had the had the big kick last week that uh, C.J. Sims couldn't bring out the Enzo, but, uh, and then you guys signed uh, Campbell Fair. He was a stamp six-round pick this past year, but uh, is Lowther good to go? Yeah, Lowther's going to be held back. He did, uh, Craig Dickinson said he did practice yesterday, but it was a closed practice, mm-hmm. so we'll uh, trust Craig on that one. Uh, he did not practice at all last week going into the game against Edmonton, barely practiced this week. They're just holding him out because of a little bit of a hamstring issue. Nothing serious. He can kick through it, but you know, the less he's out there, the better and more rested he is for game day. So right now they're just going to play it by ear when it comes to Brett Lothar. He will kick on game days, but probably won't see him much. But they're interested in this Campbell Fair. Yeah that comes over who has a 55-yard game-winning field yep. goal in, a, in his University of Ottawa career, which is intriguing. I've, I've watched the kid kick this week. He's definitely got pop, but uh, accuracy has been a little bit of an issue. But with young kickers, mm-hmm. usually the more and more and more reps they get in, with a pro coach, you see that accuracy pick up. Uh, we're talking with Jamie Nye, host of the Green Zone on 980 and 650 in Regina and Saskatoon and writes uh, for CFL. 
Ca. Uh, you mentioned Sean Bain Jr., former Stampeder. Uh, he was uh, now over in Saskatchewan, and he's got a, a more of an impact now that he's uh, not a lot, like you mentioned, not a lot of names healthy right now in that receiving core. But what has Sean Bain Jr. Uh, brought to this group? He is just, uh, he's just versatile. Like oh, yeah. They put him everywhere. They can use, they'll hand him off the ball. They'll have him on sweeps. He'll go deep. He'll, he'll be, he's a good route runner too. And uh, so he can be a good second down reliable guy. And he, you can see how the chemistry is going with Trevor Harris. So he's got speed for days as he showed on that big play against the Calgary Stampeders a few weeks ago, but Stamps mm-hmm. fans know it well because of the, the speed he's shown, but in limited time in that receiving yep. core in Calgary, but he's getting his chance. Everybody, when he signed across the CFL, we're looking at Sean Bain Jr. as a potential breakout player in the Canadian Football League, and he hasn't disappointed. He's number six right now in receiving mm-hmm. in the Canadian Football League. He's a he's a he's a good guy too. Like getting to talk to him and stuff. Like he would before training camp, he was doing public uh, like going out and meeting fans and stuff around the community, and it, he he was blown away. Like talking about Trevor Harris, blown away. He's like. <laughs> I, I haven't even touched the field yet. And people are like, Oh, are you, are you Sean Bain jr? Oh yeah. Welcome to Saskatchewan. Wow. We're excited to have you. And he was like, what? Like, I, I barely played in the CFL and people know my name. So he's, I think he's loving it a little bit in Saskatchewan on uh, that aspect. And he's got to be loving that. He's getting a bigger opportunity mm-hmm. here than he was in Calgary. Uh, talk about Nick Marshall. Uh, he's been at the center of both the Riders' last two wins, uh, game-clinching interception last week against Edmonton, and then two weeks back, or three weeks back, I guess, against uh, against Saskatchewan. But uh, just a, what is he, I think he's the definition of uh, what a ball hawk is in this league. Obviously, we know him as a quarterback down at Auburn who shifted over to the defensive side of the ball. But what, what do you think he means to this defense? Well, well he is someone who Saskatchewan... They he, they have a love hate relationship with Nick Marshall because he's such a ball hawk. Yeah. He will take risks as as we saw on the Malik Henry fifty two yard touchdown in, in a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Is he went on the inside instead of following on the outside of Malik Henry and he just missed the ball and there was Malik Henry gone behind him. So he's such a ball hawk that he has those instincts that he's willing to take a risk, mm-hmm. but it can burn him. And it looks bad because there's number three chasing the receiver down the field. But outside of that, this guy is a CFLPA all-star. His peers picked him across the league as one of the best corners. He is, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a ball hawk shutdown corner who, once he gives up that big play, you're watching because you know number three is going to get the ball in his hands. And, and the instincts, as you mentioned, he was a quarterback in Auburn. The instincts of being able to read the quarterback and how they're setting up to throw. And he said on the interception with Jake Mary he had his eyes in the backfield and mm-hmm. saw just the shift in Jake Mary's shoulders. And he went, okay, he's coming right here. This is me. And last week when he threw the pick, he, he was watching. This was insane. He said he watched Dylan Mitchell of the Elks go to the line and fix his gloves, <laughs> like adjust his wow. gloves. And he went, he's getting ready to catch the ball. He's the number one read. So he like right away picked up, and I guess he's, it's film work that he's noted yeah. more often than not when he fixes his gloves. Dylan Mitchell is probably one of the primary receivers on the route, so he knew he was hot, as he said. Cornelius, of course, threw the ball behind him, but Nick Marshall was in tight coverage to pick off uh, the ball and end that game too. So he is a smart guy. He does his work. And he's athletic former quarterback who can read route patterns and route combinations. So mm-hmm. 
uh, he is he's been fun to he he's fun to watch because for the opposition that he gives up a big play every once in a while uh, but more often than not, he's on the right side of the ball on the rider defense. No, having that quarterback mind uh, definitely is probably has to help him on both sides. It's just having everything, just seeing everything. Like I love that little note that he's like, oh, he's fixing his gloves. He's getting the ball. That's that's awesome to hear. Uh, the week got underway on Thursday in Edmonton. Uh, Elks now tie the 1953 St. Louis Browns for the longest home losing streak uh, at 20 in a row. Uh, Chris Jones, well known in your neck of the woods. How much longer uh, can Edmonton keep him around? I don't know. Well, they can't. They, they're, what is... Exactly. They're paying other guys, too. <laughs> yeah, it, it all depends because, like, the Jamie Elizondo, Brock Sunderland combination yep. that they fired and let go, they're still paying those guys off for the next year or two. Then you have Chris Jones. Now, it's interesting. It's all about that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor Kui told reporters last night that it is a four year contract, that they'd be on the hook for two more years. Mm-hmm even though other insiders from around the Canadian Football League have said that it was, you know, it, it is actually four one-year deals that they wouldn't be on the hook. That's the detail that matters. If it's the the former, which is they owe them for two years after this, whew, that is a tough, <laughs> tough thing to say. We're going to put that on the books and be almost a million dollars short of the cap on football operations for the next year or two. Mm -hmm. Like you you can't function. I hate the football operations cap for this reason. It completely hamstrings organizations that they can't get out of a mistake. And sometimes you make a mistake. Like the football operations and CFL cap for the players is different. You make a mistake. You can cut a guy. They could cut Taylor Cornelius and it's not like they have to pay him for the next two seasons mm-hmm. in Edmonton. But on the football operations thing, you cut a guy and you still have to pay him through the contract and it counts on your cap. That That's nightmare fuel for the Canadian Football League Board of Governors and the presidents to go, well, now, now we're stuck with a, something that's not working. And clearly it's not working with Chris Jones. In year two in Saskatchewan, that team was far better with the talent he brought in. In year two in Edmonton, it's worse than it was last year. What do you think has gone wrong with the Elks? I mean, 2015 was the last Grey Cup, uh, but like since Victor Kui came along, it's just it feels like it's just been an utter disaster for what once was probably, arguably, the maybe the most proud franchise, most consistent franchise that this league had to offer. Well, I, I was I, I some of my career was in Edmonton. I was the yeah. sideline reporter. Uh, for, for the uh, double E, the Edmonton Eskimos at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we, we'd go to a, the ballpark and it's 35,000 average. They yeah. were averaging 35,000 fans 15, 16, 17 years ago when I was there. Mm-hmm. And it was, I remember one game late in the season against the Montreal Alouettes. They announced the attendance of 29,000. They only had five wins that year. And we all look like, ooh, they dipped below 30? Oh, my goodness. That can't be good. Now they're like, how many people were there a lot? They announced 21,000. But it looked like 15. Yeah. Four, it looked like BMO. Like, it was <laughs> bad. Uh, so that it, it's sad to see because when, you know, when organizations are healthy, it's good for the league. And when the, the Elks are healthy, it's great for the league. Mm-hmm. They're one of the flagship franchises, but now that's – more the it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers now on the way they're ticking along, but it's bad to see and something has to change. And I 
I don't see how Victor Quee can sell the fans on Chris Jones anymore, but I don't know if he has any other options exactly. because of the football operations cap. Uh, the quarterback depth across the league being tested once again. Uh, Matt Schiltz, latest to go down yesterday. Uh, how troublesome do you think this this is for the league? It's well when you talk about what's wrong in Edmonton, it's quarterback. Yeah, Chris Jones put his his money on Taylor Cornelius. He went to the, you know, he goes to the poker table and puts his chips in on Taylor Cornelius, and it does not work out for him. Uh, and it hasn't. His accuracy is not there. And what else is there? Uh, Jarrett Daggy, he doesn't look that good. <laughs> they're not even looking. I don't understand why they're not even looking at Trey Ford. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Good it's confusing. But across the league, it's you know, it, it's not what it was. I, like mm-hmm. when I, referencing of all that time ago in Edmonton, like there was a time when Calgary had Dickinson, and you know Burris was around. And Ray was playing, and Calvillo, and Darian Durant. Like and Jason Moss was a backup Travis, in Edmonton. Yeah, Travis <laughs> Lule was playing. Like you went across the league, and it's like everybody had a future Hall of Famer yeah. and quarterback. It seemed, and it was fantastic. There was five thousand yard seasons, six thousand yard yeah. seasons passing, and now you're looking at who is there any Hall of Famer out there? Like Zach Kalaros, mm-hmm. of course, but that's pretty well it around the league when you're going okay surefire hall of famer paul levi mitchell but he's not playing right now yeah and he's you know a shadow of what he used to be in in calgary and so it's bad and you you think about it and there's a reason for it the the national football league is allowing more quarterbacks that's about probably well 32 minimum jobs then you have the xfl and the usfl Mm -hmm. And you're up to like 50 less quarterbacks you're trying to sign in the Canadian Football League because they're going to stay in the states, yep. and and you lose Nathan Rourke to the National Football League. Now that's good for Nathan, great for Nathan. We we want to see him succeed, but it's bad for the Canadian Football League on what we're looking at at quarterbacks. And there's only one solution: to get more of the best of the best to come to the Canadian Football League, you're going to have to pay them. But we know what Randy Ambrose is all about right now in the CFL, and that's lowering cost of spending. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't see the solution right now in the CFL other than just getting through it, and uh, hopefully another wave of great quarterbacks comes through like we had ten years ago. Yeah, hopefully it's just uh, riding the wave of uh, of the XFL and USFL, and hopefully uh, those leagues aren't around much longer to help the CFL. Uh, two weeks away from uh, Touchdown Atlantic, uh, the Riders a staple over there for obvious reason. What, what's that trip mean to the team? Uh, well, for Brett Lothar, he's from Truro, Nova Scotia, yeah, so yeah. he loves it. He shows the boys around. <laughs> he's more of a Halifax guy now than a Truro guy, so uh, he shows the guys around. Um, of course, uh, their offensive coordinator, uh, Kelly Jeffrey's got to be familiar with it. He, he coached out in the Atlantic Conference in, in university, too, mm-hmm. but um, this was new to the riders last year uh, to go out to touchdown Atlantic. And the, you know, they, they brought Riderville that they do a gray cup out there and yeah. stuff like that. So um, uh, last year though, that's kind of where everything went wrong with Saskatchewan. So they're hoping for better luck. That was when Duke Williams chucked the helmet yes. at Jack Richardson yep. and he got suspended. Then they all got COVID in Halifax <laughs> and came back and got sick and nobody played the next Aye. week. And it was a bit of a gong show. So, uh, they're hoping for better luck, but they enjoy their time. How can you not? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been to Halifax. I have not. Halifax, 
is a fantastic town. I want, I need the touchdown or the Atlantic schooners to get a football mm-hmm. team so we can have a gray cup in Halifax because it would be one of the best gray cup oh uh, places to go and party is Halifax, Nova Scotia. I strongly recommend. How much longer do you think we, we have to wait for the 10th franchise? 30 years who knows it's oh, no. like, it was what was it 1982 or 83 or something like that oh. when they originally announced the Atlantic yeah. Sooners and that didn't happen and here we are well I think it was 2018 at the Grey Cup in Edmonton when they announced the name and they had the big party and here we go and then you know well the council didn't want to pay the money for a mm-hmm. stadium and here we go now I'm interested in this temporary BC like a couple of years ago, yeah. BC had that temporary stadium when they did the rentals at BC Place. So I, I hope it takes off. As I said, I want a 10th team. The schedule would be easier. Oh the God. season would be short, like shorter. It wouldn't be 23 weeks. It would be 21 weeks. It would yeah. be, you know, really no three buys. weeks. And then, yeah, yeah, it would be a lot slicker schedule. And we get to go to Halifax more. So uh, I hope it happens sooner rather than later. But uh, so far, uh, what what do we get first? A stat system that works, or a Halifax franchise uh, might be an interesting question. Uh, I'm I'm glad you you brought up the stats. Uh, the Genius Sports debacle. I also noticed uh, how the Connect CFL Live stats weren't even working during uh, the Hamilton Edmonton game. Uh, just it's a bad look for the league, especially a league this this old and this historic. But uh, like, just a thought on that on the stats disaster. Uh, it's. It's a bad luck. You can't make promises to your fans uh, because they did. Back in I, uh, April, mm-hmm. they announced that you know, Genius Sports and the CFL, great stats coming your way. Look this season. It's going to be better than ever. And we're in week six. And last night I went on CFL.ca uh, to look at like the game tracker yeah. stats. And Taylor Cornelius was like one for two at the end of the, and this is after the game. And I was like, what is happening? Come on. Like this is, it's what now from what I've gathered in talking to people, this is because genius sports came in thinking it would be an easy thing to just copy and paste their NFL and NCAA stats and use, and just in the CFL, but it's one ten by 65 yards with 20 yard deep end zones with the rouge with different (laughs) rules and it's totally messed with the coding at genius sports so they're trying to fix it oh my god um i was told it was going to be early july early july jamie it's coming well we're mid now early july well we're almost we're kind of (laughs) mid july so uh, it's again another uh another bad luck yeah. for a great league yep. that I love so much. Me too. Uh, just can't get out of its own ways sometimes. Uh, and uh, lastly, uh, opinion on the Stampeders group. Obviously 1-3, and three, obviously also dealing with, with the injuries, but uh, Jake Mayer's struggling uh, in his first full year as a uh, quarterback with no B- Bo Levi Mitchell around. You know, well, that's the difference between when, when we look at the game on Saturday, the Riders and the Stampeders, statistically, it's like right down the board, they're almost identical teams. Mm-hmm. But the difference between one and three and three and one is quarterback play. Trevor Harris in crunch time is making good decisions. He's getting down the field. He's not making that bad mistake. He's not throwing it in the arms of Nick Marshall in overtime. When I know what Jake Mayer is trying to do. He's trying to make a play to win rather than have to kick a field goal to tie. But you'd rather have the tie right now in, in the season series against Saskatchewan. And 
That's what it comes down to. Calgary's a talented team. I'm picking Calgary to win against the Rough Riders because I think they are that talented of a team. I think Jake Mayer's average is better than where it is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at him like a pitcher, like he's throwing like a five ERA when he's a career three, and you go, okay, the law of averages should start to work out where he improves. And I think Jake Mayer will start to get it as he digs in a little deeper as the franchise guy, gets some chemistry. Because, you know, the, the stamps have been riddled with some injuries early too in the receiving core that guys are in and out of the lineup. So I like Diedrich Mills as a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensive lines probably needs to figure some things out too, but I, I like Calgary. I think it's going to be a heck of a race against the Rough Riders for probably third because BC and Winnipeg look that good. Mm-hmm. And that's why this game's so big. Uh, it's The season series is on the line for the Stamps already in week six against the Rough Riders. So I think we'll see a desperate Calgary team come into Saskatchewan and try to, you know, punch back after losing one at home to the Riders in double OT. There you go. There's uh, Jamie Nye from the Green Zone in Regina and Saskatoon. Also does some writing for CFL.ca. Stamps and Riders tonight at 5 o'clock from Mosaic Stadium. Stamps trying to uh, tie the season series up with the Riders and uh, improve this record. They're coming in 1-3. and Got to get this offense righted as the Riders and Stamps will likely be fighting for that third and final playoff spot. Possibly of a crossover. Still early days in the CFL, but uh, tonight might be a must-win for the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, thank you for listening to the Stamps Hour. I'm Patrick Dumas. Matty Rose should be back next week uh, where we'll uh, talk about the Montreal Alouettes as the Stamps finally get to play a home game. Thank you for listening to the Stamps Hour. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.